It's a wonderful day to be in worship of the Lord God Almighty. Amen. This morning, uh, as we walk through the third Sunday of Advent, we continue our walk with the Christmas God promises you and looking at the words of the prophets. Uh, Today, the words of the prophet Isaiah is actually a fairly difficult text. And so when we were planning this sermon uh, series, uh, I said to Simon, this is a really hard one. He says, well, you'll talk way too long about it, so I'll take it. (laughs) Is that how it went? Yeah, that's how it went. (laughs) Or maybe I said, that's too hard. You do it. No. So, so I I want you, if you, if you would, to really pay attention to the words on the screen or the Bibles in your hands. Um, Simon's going to flesh in some of the why it's happening this way. And I know you'll be blessed here this morning. The seventh chapter of Isaiah. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid to waste. This is the word of God meant not only to inform our minds, but to inform and guide our hearts towards living, towards his purpose in our lives. May we pray. Holy God, you are the true light of all people. You are the one that shines in every single darkness. You are the one that makes our hearts glow. Lord, we ask this morning that as some of our congregation, of course, are aching and in pain, that you might give them relief and that you might let your glow in their heart restore their spirits. Lord, others of us are in the highest moments this season. And we are so washed with light that we could not give praise or honor anymore. And for that, uh, Lord, we just scream, Amen and Hallelujah. Father God, as Simon comes now to preach, we ask that your Holy Spirit not be abated, that nothing stands in his way from speaking the words of truth and power that you have granted him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, good morning, everybody. My name is Simon Campbell. I'm the Director of Worship and Technology here at the church. Um, And I have to say, it's been just phenomenal watching what has happened here over the past few weeks of Advent. I'm going to put some pictures up on the screen to remind us. So this first one, um, we had our bell concert in the first weekend of December, and this whole space was completely packed out um, with people uh, watching the bell ministry do their thing, and it was just amazing to see. Then last Sunday at the 11 o'clock service, we had our children's program, and um, that involved about 70 kids like packed in here. So like if we don't, if that doesn't show us we need a new church, then like I, I don't know what will. So um, and then today you can see we have something else going on at the at the 830 and 11 o'clock services. Our choir is doing their Christmas cantata and having seen it this at the past service, 
I can tell you, if you're thinking about sticking around, it'd be well worth your time. They've been working on this music for months, and it's just, it's, just, it's amazing. Um, and then, of course, next Sunday, we have Christmas Eve. As Kelsey said, we have all these different services um, for you to join us in on that day. And so we certainly invite you to bring your family and friends and just and welcome in um, Jesus into your life. So let's get down to it this morning. As I was getting ready for this sermon, I found myself using a lot of P words to make my main points in this sermon. So in, at first I was like, well, maybe that's a little weird, but then I decided to just go with it. In fact, I purposely used prevalent plosives so that potentially you'd be predisposed to pick up the point of my preaching. <laughs> Provided, of course, that you pay attention. <laughs> See, Laura, I, thought, I told you that'd be funny. Um, so as, as we continue this morning and look at this passage, we see the prophecy that's at the center of it. If we've been to a Christmas Eve service before, these words are probably familiar to us. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. But there's actually a rich backstory that surrounds this passage, and so we're, I'm going to spend my time on this today, uh, because through this story... God offers his promise, his presence, and his purpose for us. I'll run those by you again. God offers us his promise, his presence, and his purpose for us. And it's up to us how we choose to respond. So as I, can, as I tell you this story, just know, doing, doing a lot of research for this, there's a whole bunch of stuff uh, in this history that surrounds this story, and probably enough for a full history lecture, but I'm not going to do that to you this morning. But if you get excited by that kind of thing, feel free to send me an email and we can like talk back and forth because there's plenty of good stuff in here. These six verses that, we, that Pastor Mike read today is a conversation between God, between King Ahaz, and the prophet Isaiah. So, of course, the first question that pops up to all of our minds, okay, well, who's Ahaz here? King Ahaz, in this story, is the king of Judah in the land of Israel and is a direct descendant of David. So David, who defeated Goliath, became king. This is one of his descendants. And at the time of the story, Ahaz is in some real trouble. He's completely surrounded by enemies. And he has multiple armies from different nations attacking him all at the same time. And his kingdom and his very life is in jeopardy at this point, leading up to, this, to the verses we read. Now, this would be concerning for anybody, right? But this is particularly concerning for Ahaz, because Ahaz, at the center, one of his core characteristics is that he desired power. And he envied the power of other nations that surrounded Judah. And in fact, throughout his rule, one of the things he did to seek that power is he would perform religious rituals of the other gods of the other nations surrounding his country. Kind of in the hope that, well, if it seems to be working for them, maybe it'll work for me. Tragically, he goes so far with this concept that he even offers up one of his sons as a sacrifice to be burned alive 
in a ritual to one of these foreign gods. So, as you can imagine, based on the way I've described him, things don't go well for Ahaz. He's, he's in this situation where he's surrounded by these armies that are attacking him from all these different places, and everything is going wrong. But he's faced with this choice. Ahaz must either place trust in God's power and his promises for the nation of Israel, or trust in the powers of the world to deliver him from this situation. I put that up on the screen because I want you to hold that thought in your mind for a minute. So, the next thing in this story, the prophet Isaiah comes to Ahaz in the middle of this situation and to remind Ahaz of God's faithfulness and to specifically remind him of a promise that God made to his ancestor David. You see, generations before, God had promised David that his heirs would establish a kingdom that would last forever. Now, this promise is really important to the story because it's a foundational covenant between God and the people of Israel. And you know, the Jewish people reading this story and, and understanding it while it was written would have just known what that was. The prophet Isaiah comes and says to Ahaz, Okay, remember, remember what God promised your, father, your, your, your ancestor David. You've got nothing to worry about. These armies won't overthrow you because God has promised that this kingdom would endure. So, I want to pause for a second because we have the benefit of you know, a few thousand years of interpretation of this whole thing. And so we know what the right answer is, right? Well, you trust God and his promises. But to Ahaz, this proposition, this reminder would have seemed crazy to him. It would be like if somebody came to us today and said, well, because of the way the stars are aligned and a couple of these planets are lined up, the Cleveland Browns are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Now, for those of you who are not football fans, the Cleveland Browns, right, are um, in their entire team history, they've never won a Super Bowl. In fact, they've never even appeared in a Super Bowl, and they happen to be 0-13 this year. So, like, not only is this improbable, but it's a statistical impossibility at this point that, they're gonna, that this is going to happen. You see, Ahaz, in this situation, he only sees the numbers. He only sees the army, the power that is aligned against him, and he completely misses the fact That he's got the creator of the universe assuring him of the victory. So focused on the power of other nations, he completely misses what is obvious to us, right? So Ahaz is not convinced by Isaiah's recommendation. He doesn't possibly see how this ancient promise to his ancestor could hold up against the forces of his enemies. And here's what happens in verse 10. Now we've gotten to where our scripture lines up today. It says, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. So here's what God is doing. He's saying, you don't have anything to worry about, Ahaz. I've got you because of a promise I made to David. But I understand why this seems crazy to you. So I'm going to, ta- I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you, you can ask me for any sign, whether it's in the highest heights or deepest depths, you can ask me for any sign and I will do it for you so that you know that my promise is sure. 
And this is the turning point of the whole story. Ahaz has already made up his mind. So he, he responds and says, no, I, I won't even ask for that sign. I won't ask, the, ask God for a sign because I've already made up my mind. So here's how the story concludes. Instead of trusting in God's promises, Ahaz reaches out to the most powerful king in the region, the king of Assyria, who's a superpower empire of that time. And he pays him an exorbitant amount of gold to come and wipe out the enemies of the smaller nations that are attacking Ahaz. In doing this, this would, required, would have required Ahaz to sign a covenant with the king of Assyria to recognize Assyrian gods and the supremacy of the Assyrian religion. So not only is Ahaz like turning against and rejecting God's promises, he is completely abandoning Israel's identity as a chosen nation in, in, in God. So at the time, okay, the story wraps up. At the time, Ahaz thinks he's done a good job. He's placed his trust in the right place because the king of Syria comes, wipes out the enemies that he's facing. But this trust would be the very thing that would destroy Ahaz because the king of Assyria doesn't stop there. Eventually, he would come and take over the majority of the kingdom of Ahaz and send a lot of the Israelite people into exile and basically only leaves Jerusalem remaining. So, the, so Ahaz places trust in some place other than God and that very thing was what consumed and destroyed him. That's what we see in this story. So remember what I said what I what I said earlier. Ahaz was put in a situation where he either had to place trust in God's power and his promises for the nation of Israel or trust in the powers of the world to deliver him. When he paid the king of Assyria, he's fully placing his trust in the power of the nation and leading everything else behind him. And that very trust is what destroyed him. Okay, story's done. Why are we spending so much time on this? Why, is this? why is this important? What does this have to do with us here in Advent? Well, here's the thing. You are in a similar situation to Ahaz this morning. And, it, and in fact, you have the exact same choice lying in front of you. God offers you, just like he did to Ahaz, God offers you his promises, his presence, and his purpose for your life. And it's up to us how we're going to choose to respond. Ahaz was in a situation that revealed where his trust was. Power was the thing that was a primary factor in his life. And it's what he made all of his decisions based on. And he couldn't believe that the ancient promise of God could hold up against the situation that he found himself in. And he was destroyed by the misplacement of his trust. So I ask you, when you are pressed... When you are surrounded, when you're weak, what is it that you run to? What is it that you trust in? Because in this sermon series, we've talked about how God promises us peace, comfort, reversals and victories in our life. But if we don't hold fast to God and place our trust in God and God alone, 
we are just going to be consumed and destroyed by whatever else it is that we place our trust in. Okay, take a look at these pictures on the screen. Now you think I've gone crazy, we're going to talk about a couple characters from Willy Wonka in the midst of this thing from Ahaz and Christmas and all that stuff. I promise there's a point. So the, these two pictures have these two characters, Mike TV and Veruca Salt, right? And this is from the original because I like that one better. Um, let's take a look at Mike TV. Mike TV is obsessed with television. He watches TV all day. In fact, he wants to be on TV. He, more than anything, he wants to be a, a character in the universe of these westerns that he watches all the time. And he prefers TV to the real world. <clears throat> He ignores Wonka's warning when they're touring the factory about Wonka Vision, which is the magical way of transporting chocolate through TV, of course. And um, so he ignores these warnings, jumps in the machine, and ends up shrinking himself to the size of a thimble. Go ahead and put that next one up. Yep, there he is. Mike TV, shrunk. Okay, then Veruca Salt, this other character, this little girl, greedy. Self-obsessed, self-important. Her dad is this wealthy manufacturer of nuts, and so she says, spends her whole childhood basically saying, Dad, go get me that, and basically wants everything and anything in front of her. So when she's touring the factory with her father and she sets her eyes on the golden goose that lays golden chocolate eggs, of course she wants it and asks her dad to buy it for her. When Wonka refuses to sell, because it's a movie, she throws this big tantrum in the form of a song, right? And ends up going down the bad egg chute. I think we have, yes, there she is. Going down the bad egg chute in the middle of her song. So, I know these are exaggerated examples. But these characters, they're, they're central characteristics Their fatal flaw, so to speak, is what leads to their destruction, and they illustrate to us what can happen, what will happen if we place our trust in something other than Jesus. Because the world offers, you know, the world we live in offers us plenty of things to trust in. Plenty of things. Wealth, popularity, success, romantic relationships, intelligence, security, pleasure, These things are always laid before us as the solution to all of our problems, the things that we can place our trust in. If we just get this right, then everything else will be okay. But I urge you this morning to place your trust in God. Don't miss the fact that you have the creator and the sustainer of the universe who has a promise for you, who has a purpose for you. I want to be clear on something. Because I think this can be mistaken sometimes in, um, in Christian circles. God does not promise us that he will keep us from all suffering. That's not his promise. But by trusting in God, this ensures that when suffering does come, it won't destroy us. God does not promise that we will not experience any suffering in our lives. But if we put our trust in him we can be sure that when we do suffer, we won't be destroyed. Second thing we must know is the powers of this world and the desperation of our circumstances have no bearing on the promises of God. 
It doesn't matter what we're up against. It doesn't matter what we're surrounded by, how many things are working against you or how the odds are stacked. God is faithful to keep his promises and the powers of the world have absolutely no bearing on the promises of God. So place your trust in him. Ahaz could only see the numbers of the armies stacked in front of him. He could only see the, the force of their military against his, couldn't see how it would be resolved. And he missed his greatest asset. So let's not do the same thing. If we, if we find ourselves in trouble and think, well, maybe if I, you know, if I just earned a little bit more, or if maybe I, um, I found the right guy or girl, those things aren't going to save us. In fact, eventually those things will compound upon themselves and consume and destroy us. So just like Ahaz, God offers you his promises this Advent season. So how are we going to choose to respond? Now I know that trusting in the promises of God will appear crazy in our culture. It's completely, completely counterintuitive to trust in things you can't see, hear, or touch. It was too illogical for Ahaz to trust in God, so he rejected the sign that God offered him. But here's the thing. It might seem crazy for us to trust in God's promise and purpose for our life, but God has offered you this sign of assurance. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. You see, friends, we are surrounded. We are. We may not realize it, but we are. We are surrounded by the forces of sin, death, injustice, disease, oppression, decay. These enemies of humanity affect everything. You can't escape their influence. Everything that we do is just a little bit or a lot affected by these things. And we're powerless to, to overcome and defeat them. And the things that the world offers... Wealth, popularity, romantic relationships, all these things. We might try to use them to combat the things that are going wrong in our life. But these things can't save us from these enemies. We might try, but we're we're never going to be satisfied. And they will only further consume and destroy us. In spite of our rebellion against God, God has offered a sign of deliverance. But God's deliverance does not rely on the strength of this world. In fact, it comes through weakness. God sends us a child. And the title that's given to this child declares the turning point of all humanity. Emmanuel, God is with us. This meek, vulnerable, defenseless child is the promised sign that will defeat sin and death forever. Not through militant force, but through selfless, perfect sacrifice. Emmanuel is the fulfillment of all of God's promises, and he is our deliverance from the enemies that we face. And we know Emmanuel as Jesus. It may seem like complete foolishness to trust in a child born over 2,000 years ago and place him at the center of our identity. 
the idea of welcoming this baby in a manger into your heart and allowing him to shape the way you think, what you say, what you do, I know it seems completely ridiculous. But if you choose to accept the sign of God and welcome the presence of Jesus into your life, some things will happen. You'll find that the things that were once so important to you, that you trusted in so much, that you placed so much emphasis on in your life, all of a sudden those things don't have the same power. If you welcome the presence of Jesus into your life, you will find yourself led to decisions that you never would have considered before. And finally, if you welcome the presence of Jesus into your life, I can assure you that God offers more to you than you could have ever imagined. I see some nodding heads. I know we've experienced these things. We know what this is like. So I ask you this morning, will you choose to accept the sign of Emmanuel into your life? Will you overcome the power of this world through the meekness of Christ? And will you reject the wisdom of this current age for the foolishness of Jesus? God offers you his presence this Advent season. How will you choose to respond? You see, if we trust in God's promise and receive the presence of Emmanuel into our lives, God will reveal His purpose for us. Going back to the story of Ahaz, the purpose that God had for Ahaz and the people of Israel had always been clear. Israel was to be a holy, set-apart nation devoted to God and that they were to be the vessel by which God blessed all the nations of the world. From its, from its founding, when God was speaking to Abraham, he promised Abraham, the founding father of the nation of Israel, that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars, as numerous of, on the, of the sands on the shore, and that his offspring would be a blessing to all people. And through his offspring, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. So when Ahaz chose to trust in the nations, and he he rejected God's sign for him, he also completely abandons God's purpose for him and his people. Because by depending on, by trusting in, and by conforming his practices to those of the nations around him, He completely lost his ability to be a blessing to them. He completely completely abandoned that purpose that God had for his people. When we trust in the promises of God and welcome the presence of Jesus to transform our lives, we also need to recognize our purpose. Our lives, Christians, cannot be the same as the world around us. We can't be trusting in the same things. If we do, we will lose our, our set-apartness. We will lose our distinctive lives and we will lose our ability to be in mission to the people around us. So we need to live different. Live differently. 
Live distinct lives. Set aside the empty promises of the world and exchange them for your part in the purpose and the mission of God to the people around you. Exchange those promises, those empty promises that the world offers for your ability to be a blessing. You see, when we accept Jesus into our lives, we are adopted into God's chosen people. When we accept Jesus into our lives, we are set apart to be a blessing to all people. When we accept Jesus into our lives, we are made conquerors over the enemies of humanity, of sin, death, and injustice. And we are made conquerors not by brutal strength, but we are made conquerors through kindness, compassion, self-sacrifice, humility, and generosity. When we accept Jesus We are tasked with ushering in the kingdom of God into a broken world. God offers you his promises, his presence, and his purpose for your life. How will you choose to respond? It's it's my fervent hope that you will place your trust in God's promises for you. And nothing else. It is my prayer that you would embrace the presence of Jesus into your life and allow Him to change you. Allow Him to become the center of your identity. And it's my joy to join with you in this church as we as we seek to fulfill that purpose to be a blessing to the world around us. God offers you His promises, His presence, and His purpose for your life. How will you choose to respond this Advent season? Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we, we welcome the sign that you have offered into our lives. We thank you for being with us, for being present. And God, this morning, we, we ask that you give us the courage, give us the strength to recognize those areas in our life where we still place trust in temporary things. And Lord, we ask that you'd give us grace that we might trust in you and you alone and that we would discover and embrace our purpose that you have for us to be a blessing to those around us. All this we ask in the power of the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.